Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another Spotify live question here on the Pride of Detroit uh, podcast feed. Uh, we are live on the Spotify live app. We do these every Saturday morning of the off season, at least when we can. This is a, a 9 a.m. Eastern version. Make sure you download the Spotify live app and follow at Pride of Detroit if you want to join us. But what we do here is answer your questions live on air, very much like a call in radio show. My name, by the way, is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer at Pride of Detroit. I won't be the only one answering your questions. We got two fantastic co-hosts, as always, for our Spotify Lives. First of all, he's the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Uh, good morning. It's uh, a very snowy Saturday morning here again. Uh, it seems like the weather is just kicking in on the weekends just for these shows. But yeah, I mean, what perfect way to sit by the fire avoid shoveling that heavy snow today and and just listen to our voices and keep you warm there i i think i think the weather is working against us it's trying to hold back the birds from uh from from joining oh true and and the the source of our our bird ambient noises uh in these typical spotify live sessions he's a senior editor of pride of detroit he is a a co-host of the pod cast you can find him at ryan underscore pod on twitter ryan matthews is here uh, sorry, I, I'm changing all of the bios on all my social media platforms to bringer of the birds and fantastic guest, according to Jeremy Reisman. So <laughs> I, listen, that was like the best intro I've ever done for you. And and you're you're bringing up past wounds. Oh, no, it, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. I'm so happy to be here. This is Great. Where, this is where we all belong on a Saturday morning, right? But that's sure. Why not? <laughs> all right let's tarry no further right. let's bring in uh some of our callers here we're going to start with uh nathan nathan c nathan welcome back to the show hey y'all can you hear me good yep okay cool i'm driving um hey uh happy saturday uh to y'all um ryan i love the tom brady-esque uh picture on the profile <laughs> looks like you're about to stiff arm somebody that's awesome um all right, so I got a question. I'm only going to ask one. I'm going to follow the rules. So uh, it's kind of a duck question because I, I feel like both of y'all, uh, all y'all can say both, but I, I want you to answer as best as possible. So this Lions secondary, does it need more of an aggressive cornerback that can get the ball back to us? Or do we need more of a cover corner that can shut down one side of the field? And maybe it doesn't get a lot of balls. Okay, yeah. So that, this is an interesting kind of philosophical question. Do you do you want a guy with high ball skills, um, maybe a lot of production in that area uh, in college, or do you want just a guy who's kind of tight in coverage and, and maybe the the interception stats aren't there? Uh, I guess I guess 
to kind of like parse through that question, is there necessarily a difference too? Um, I, I, I want to throw, I want to throw it to Eric first. What do you think? I'd rather have the the shutdown safety than the ball hawk. Um, shutting that half of the field down really enables uh, so much, so many opportunities for your teammates if you're able to take away a significant portion or take away the number one option. Um, having a ball hawk is terrific, and it create and, and tur- creating turnovers is really you know a huge part of defensive success. Uh, but at the same time, being able to shut down that uh, a part of the field is a unique trait that I think is a little bit more rare. Well, I probably a lot more rare to be honest. And uh, if I had my, if I had to pick between the two, uh, that's the the angle that I would go with. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. So, I mean, I I guess when I, whenever I think of this question, I go back to like Marcus Peters and his rookie season that he had um, way back when with Kansas city. And he racked up like eight interceptions. Right. But his PFF grade, not necessarily the best because I mean, you have guys who take risks and, and take chances and, and that's all well and fine, but um, sometimes you get burned, right? So I, I'm with Eric in the sense that you really want one of those, you know, Sauce Gardner types, uh, somebody who can who can shut away uh, one side of the field and and you know kind of dictate what the offense can do. Um, I think is kind of like the best way of of understanding it, right? Like if you can dictate where the offense puts the ball, well, you know where to put your defenders. So I think if you have one of those guys, like a, maybe like a Jalen Ramsey. Is uh, is great, but yeah, no, I think I, I mostly uh, agree with you there. Uh, obviously, like if the options were um, in, in this past draft, if you want to compare two guys, Sauce Gardner and, and Tariq Woolen, Woolen obviously had the production stats where I think everyone would agree that Sauce Gardner was the best all, all around corner capable of shutting down half of the field. I, I think you, you generally take the guy who, who shuts down half the field, um, just because of everything that, that Ryan said, like you can build a defensive game plan around that. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Honestly, like the year to year production when it comes to interceptions is always going to be consistent. Um, a lot of that depends on opportunity. A lot of that depends on um, the, the ball just kind of bouncing your way. A lot of it depends on whether you're getting targeted a lot. So if you get a bunch of interceptions one season, maybe they target you less. And obviously that's obviously a good thing too, in the same way that shutting down half the field is. Um, but I, I just think a, a shutdown corner that, that can lock down a half of the field um, is, a, is a more consistent performer necessarily than a guy that you have to, that you're relying on to, to pick the ball off you know, five, six times a year. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for the question, Nathan. Uh, appreciate uh, you always bringing some good questions to the show here. Let's move on uh, to our next caller here. Uh, John S. John. John, you there? There. Okay. I'm here. Uh, good morning, guys. There you go. Um, question morning. for you was just the um, a simple question. Say, uh, Stroud and uh, Levis go f- in the first five picks, and Witherspoon, Carter, and Anderson are picked. So Bryce Young is there, Richardson's there. Um, who do you, who would you, any one of you pick, sort of thing in that uh, scenario? All right, here we go. You mock, mock draft time, uh, exactly. Ryan. Ryan, here we go. What, what, this is kind of a unique situation where where some of those top defensive guys we keep looking at uh, aren't going to be there. So, so what do you do in this situation? Oh, man, this is where things get tough, right? Like, it, it seems like in a lot of the mock drafts, right, they kind of take the uh, they take the bullet out of the gun for the Lions, and they're just like, hey, you know, here's the best edge rusher that's left, or here's the best corner, and, you know, Detroit could use either of those positions. So this fits naturally. 
the, the discussion, be, it, it becomes increasingly fascinating the more quarterback talent that's available there, right? Like in this scenario with, with John where mm-hmm. he suggests maybe, hey, maybe maybe teams shy away from Bryce Young because of the measurables or whatever, or, you know, Anthony Richardson happens to be there, or, I mean, really, if it's any of the top flight quarterbacks, right, any of those four guys like Stroud, Levis, like I think any of those guys, if they're there at six, it becomes a really interesting discussion of how much does this team believe in Jared Goff, which I think the answer to that question is very much in the here and now. But like you mentioned, Jeremy, and like a lot of people maybe didn't quite understand Dan Campbell's comments. The Lions, the Lions are thinking about, you know, what comes yeah. after that. And and Brad Holmes, I mean, he, is, he so much has said, you know, hey, this team doesn't have a backup quarterback right now. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get one in, in the draft. It might mean free agency. But he also brought up that interesting timeline. You know, free agency happens before the draft. A lot of quarterbacks who, you know, are looking to sign to a team, they might hold out and wait to see how, how a team – you know, approaches the draft and, and, and what they want to do with their backup quarterback position. But I, I don't know that that's an incredibly tough spot. I, I, I would tend to think that the Lions are pretty happy with Jared Goff in the here and now. And, and, and they're looking for how they can take that next yep. step to being a playoff team in 2023. All right. So he does, he punts on the question, doesn't answer it. Um, <laughs> Eric, you haven't, you have an actual answer to the question. <laughs> I'm I'm putting up a for sale sign. That I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm putting that trade. Uh, I'm putting that up for a trade and saying, who wants the best quarterback in this draft class? You know, just because he's the third one off the board, doesn't mean that he's not the best. In my opinion, he's still the top guy, measurables or not. And so, if the top player, you know, top quarterback in this class is sitting there, and um, and you you've got other defensive players that you're interested in, or maybe you're even considering Bryce Young there, uh, I'm putting the for sale sign up and I'm saying, what's the best value I can get? Because again, Brad Holmes, his, one of his best avenues to uh, approaches to this draft will be building capital for, for the future. Right. And so in my opinion, the first thing I would do is I would put the for sale sign up. Now, if you, aren't going to get, or if you aren't going to get a trade, which I would seem highly unlikely. uh, But if you're not going to get a trade, then yeah, it's a really tough conversation to have because he's arguably um, a difference maker at the position. And so uh, he probably, he shouldn't be there. If he is, it it is a tough conversation because you have to think about the future. And, And so I do, I do think like what Dan said kind of resonates here is that, it would be a guy that where you're looking at value, you're saying, is it something that we could pass up or are we playing for the now? And we just take the best defensive player. Uh, but in my opinion, I, I'd, I'd start getting on the phone calls and seeing, I don't know, you can, maybe you trade him in Minnesota, you know, you can get a Minnesota trade. There you go. Um, well, well, real quick, what, what you yeah. just, what you just said, Eric, I think what's interesting about that is do you just take the player, right? Take the best player there if it happens to be a quarterback, you can figure that out. Like it, it doesn't mean that that quarterback is stuck on your team. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you can't then trade that quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's just, a, it, it's a really interesting spot. And I don't know if there's a wrong way to go about it in terms of what Brad Holmes can do. So I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I want to know what Jeremy thinks because he thinks I'm a punter and that hurts my feelings. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I think both of you are right. Like, you have to really seriously consider a quarterback here. And and I'm, you know, if if you've been following my takes all off season, season, it's that you can't completely overlook quarterback. I, I and I, I honestly, I agree a hundred percent with what Dan Campbell said. And if people don't know what Dan Campbell says because he didn't say it during his press conference, he said it during a CBS interview. I just want to run it back for for people that might not have may not have heard it. Um, he said. He's talking about golf here. He says what he's done is, and what we were hopeful and thoughtful we were going to get is a guy who he's our guy. He bought us time. We believe we can win with Jared Goff. And in the meantime, we also know he's not going to be here for the next 10 years. It's not like Jared Goff is a rookie. So certainly our eyes are on potentially a quarterback. The question is, where do you require that? And that is something that Brad and I kick around all the time, but we don't feel like we're pressed right now. We don't feel like we're pressed, but that doesn't mean our eyes aren't on a quarterback. So it's very much to me. I read that as, listen, if we don't draft a quarterback, if a quarterback isn't there that we don't like, we're not going. We're not going to force the issue. There's no reason to force the issue. We like Jared Goff and think we can win right now with Jared Goff. But the future needs to be in consideration. And so, if the right guy is there, yeah, we have to absolutely consider that. And to me, that is maybe the most logical way to look about this draft, and is really what I've been saying for a long time. So I, I, I think you have to really. I, I think you take a quarterback here. There you go. I'll just say it. I think you take a quarterback in this situation, whichever one of those that you like. I think you take one there just because it, it, like, like Ryan said, at least, even if you're like, you know what, we're just grabbing this because we want his value. And, 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 and here's, here's the, the hard truth. And this is a hard truth that I don't think I even accepted during the Matthew Stafford era. Drafting a quarterback early is a good strategy. Almost all of the time. If you have the opportunity, because like, let's say, let's say the Packers right now decided, you know what, we're going to run it back with Aaron Rodgers again. They could potentially get good draft capital out, out of, out of uh, Jordan Love to make that not a horrible pick. It's, not, it's still not going to be a good pick. They're not going to get a first rounder. But when you have that first round talent in your, in your back pocket, even if you're not using them, there's going to be a team that wants it. Look how quarterback hungry the league is right now. So if if we we take whoever Anthony Richardson whatever whatever quarterback is there CJ Stroud whoever it is and he has to sit on the bench for the first two years he's still going to have value in that third year if you decide by then that Jared Goff is still your guy for the next three or four years if you decide to give Jared Goff an extension and so yeah if if the board falls away when there's an elite guy there and listen I think my first inclination would be the same as Eric's you trade down. But if that's not there and you really like a guy, you you don't blink twice and you take him. Fair? I I think I think if it's 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 gotta be the right guy, right? For me, for me it's Stroud, right? Of course. I don't think um if you're saying it's I'm sorry, it's young. If you're saying if Stroud is there, okay. I'm not I'm probably not taking him it, it there. That's my personal okay. opinion. If it's Levis. If it's Levis, I'm not taking him in there <laughs> as well, right? So Levis, Stroud, even Richardson, I think is too rich. It's a little too rich there for for me as well. But Stroud, uh, I'm sorry, cheese or Pete's. Young is the difference maker to me. In my opinion, Young is the best quarterback in this class, and then there's a big separation between him and the next guy. And so Young creates that decision for me where there's a value, there's a pretty big value at six, whereas I think the other guys. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you the the value of of the the other quarterbacks not named Bryce Young 
versus the top defensive player, it's a, it's a, it's a little closer. So I I'm, it, it's, it have to be young that's sitting there in order to, to, you know, for, to generate this conversation. Now, if Stroud is there and you, I I'm still taking that trade back scenario as well. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's going right. to be a lot of teams that like Stroud. There's gonna be a lot of teams that like Levis. Right. But for the lions, I think Stroud, uh, Bryce Young is the best fit, and I think he's the best quarterback in this club. Fair enough. All right. Got our quarterback talk out of the way there. Uh, John, appreciate the Thanks question. Thanks a lot, man. guys. I love the, love the answer, too. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, all right. We're going to do it. We're going to fit Dan into the first segment here. Dan Pask is back on the show. Dan, welcome, buddy. Okay. All right. I'll go for it. Can you hear me Okay. <laughs> Yep, you're good. Uh, thanks. And, and I, I didn't say it last week, and I, I felt bad, but thanks so much for this show going again. I, you guys are, are, uh, are really wonderful for us Detroit Lions uh, fans, and I just want to say how grateful I am. So I'm going to stop tearing up and, and get onto some crazy questions. Um, <laughs> Appreciate that. But no, I am, um, yeah. I, 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 I'm just going to read one crazy thought I had, and it's actually kind of apropos. Um, and then I got this one question of three parts, and I apologize for the three parts sneaking, but. I know this sounds weird, and I, I just read it on the, the on the web at some point. But um, there's okay. So this is what I wrote it down. This is the craziest that, that I wrote down, and it makes no sense. So I'll just get it over with. But I was thinking about Brad Holmes's plan, and maybe it's like like the Star Wars movies, and how they're really meant uh, really about robots. And this is really about Jared Goff. Just imagine getting Bijan, and sorry for I butchered his name um, uh, last week at 18, and then Jared gets us to the Super Bowl where McVeigh couldn't, and then Dan Campbell is the man. Uh, probably with an officiating controversy, of, obviously, and uh, that is the end. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, somebody in the chat said I should write stories. Maybe I shouldn't, but I, that just came to me and I wanted to share it. But, like, it would be mind-blowing and, and a bit of a, excuse me for the language, a bit of a mindfuck for McVeigh if we took Gar- uh, Jared Goff to the Super Bowl and won and then started u- using Tony Rich as our quarterback, you know, in, for, for Ryan. But anyway, this is my question. And I was I wanted to be on the end of the show for one reason, because he is probably truly the only person talked less about than Bruno and John Kaminsky. And that's Mark Brunel. How do you think he's done? Okay. How much credit does he deserve? And this is a, a, a douchey part. Do you feel confident he could help Tony Rich improve his game? <laughs> Ooh, okay. I like. Oh, this is this is a loaded question. It's always to me like the the positional coaches. It's always tough to like parse who gets credit for a, a player. Is it the player themselves? Is it the system that they're in? Um, is, is it you know, is it is it the head coach who gets credit for for Jared Goff's clear improvement? Um, in in the second half of the season last year. Um, I'll throw it back to you, Ryan. Um, what what do you think? Are are we not giving Mark Brunel enough credit? I think in these situations, like you just kind of touched on, Jeremy, like it's almost like you you give credit in hindsight, right? Like as soon as Mark Brunel goes off and, you know, he he's an offensive coordinator somewhere and he's awesome, then all of a sudden you shovel a bunch of, you know, credit on his plate for what he did with the quarterbacks or so on and so forth. But I, I think just Detroit is such an interesting ecosystem for coaches because of how you just mentioned too. Like, you know, hey, a lot of the success – um, for Jared Goff can probably be, it can be, you know, handed out to plenty of people. Obviously a lot of it goes to Ben Johnson. Some of it has to go to Dan Campbell. Um, but yeah, it, with, with Mark Brunel, I think what was most interesting about last year's um, last year's senior bowl with, with boots on the ground and, and, and Mark Brunel there, like there are a lot of interesting comments that came out of, uh, you know, the senior bowl from, from Mark Brunel and, and, and company about, um, you know, the ability to develop quarterbacks and, and what they saw with, 
and I hate to do this, but with like players like Malik Willis, okay? Like seeing a quarterback for sometimes the piece of clay they are and, you know, how you can mold them. There, there are quite a few guys, you know, to, to Eric's point, I think those guys are like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Like those guys have a lot of work to do in terms of their mechanics, in terms of their footwork. Um, and I, I think, I think that's why a lot of, you know, it, it's, it's not just us that thinks the Lions coaching staff is so great. It, it's a lot of people nationally. And, and I think that comes with, you know, that comes with some cachet, right? Like, Hey, this is a place where a lot of people are mocking a quarterback to Detroit. I know fans are kind of upset with that, but by that same token, they're doing it because they say this is a great situation for a quarterback that needs to develop to go. So that's why I kind of think the the discussion about a quarterback at six is really in it, it, it's a, it's a really good one to have um, because of all that national rub. So. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like I, I think I think Mark Brunel is is the right guy to be here until until maybe they have to find another guy. <laughs> uh, all right, let me throw throw it to you, Eric. I'm obviously Brunel's only been in the NFL for a couple of years as a coach, but obviously he brings that former uh co- or former player pedigree. So so what are your thoughts on the job he's done? Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the credit goes to uh, Ben Johnson because of the way that the scheme is designed in order to um, feed into Jared Goff's best skills. Um, Brunel though, you, you can't, you, it doesn't hurt to have 18 years of NFL experience as a coach sitting there, uh, you know, right behind Jared Goff. I would say that might help. And yeah, certainly. And so um, for Jared Goff, I think Brunel is a terrific quarterbacks coach because he is a a veteran quarterback and you have essentially a veteran quarterback you know coach and he is able to you know do a lot of things behind the scenes like in the film room and you know help with technical things and, and stuff like that so i i do think the match of ben johnson mark brunell and jared goff makes a ton of sense because they all can help each other in a lot of ways can Mark Brunel develop a younger quarterback? That's that's hard to say, right? Um, he wasn't able to really help the reserve quarterbacks, but at the same time, I think a lot of the issues with those reserve quarterbacks were mental. You know, when they had the opportunity to step up on the big stage, they both pretty much fell on their face, right? So um, can Mark Brunel develop a quarterback is the big question. And, and I think that's an unknown. If the only thing that gives me um, some confidence that he might be able to beyond his experience is the fact that before he got into coaching, his job was literally helping uh, college players prepare for the NFL combine so that they could prepare for the draft. So like he's comfortable working with younger guys. He's worked with high school kids. He's worked with college kids. Like he's, he understands what it, what a young quarterback looks like and how to help the mechanics of a young quarterback. Can he take, that young quarterback to the next level. I think that's a, that's a fair question to, to, to wonder about, but you have to like what he's done with Jared Goff and you have to think that, you know, he's in the NFL for a reason and you won't really know if he can develop a quarterback until he gets a chance. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point about him working with uh, young quarterbacks, uh, working their way to the, to the professional level. Cause that, that's a key part. I think to the answer to this question is, is he's had experience doing that. Um, of course, 
having your hands on a guy, you know, 24 seven while, while they're on your team and your, in your practices and, and film room, totally different thing. But, but I think his, uh, you know, willingness to, to work with young quarterback shows that, that, you know, you might have the right guy. The only other thing I wanted to add, um, is I think, I think I, I want to build on the point that, that Eric made about him being kind of tailor made for Jared Goff. And I agree. Um, and I think, uh, Brunel's mentioned this before, like Brunel is a guy, I don't know if journeyman is the right name for him, but like, you know, he had a really long year in Jacksonville and then kind of made a name for himself again in Washington and then went to the saints, went to the jets. Um, he knows what it's like to kind of rebuild your um, reputation, so to speak. Um, and, and so being able to, to bring that experience and, and, and bring that knowledge of what it's like to get tossed aside by your old team and, 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 try again a new in a new place is something that undoubtedly helped Jared Goff rebound from, from a bad breakup in, in LA. So, um, and, and, and I guess the, the only other thing is like the technical side that we definitely saw change with Jared Goff that I would attribute to Mark Brunel is the pocket presence, right? It, it kind of became a big narrative about halfway through the season that Goff was dropping too far into the pocket and not giving his tackles a fair enough chance to block edge rushers. And then you look at the last half of the season and, and the lines, I think we're in the you know top five in, in sacks allowed, I think maybe for the entire season, but especially for the last half of the season. Um, so I think he deserves that. I mean, that's a technical thing, right? That's not a scheme thing. That's not a head coaching thing. That's a technical thing that we saw Jared Goff improve upon. So I think that is more evidence that, that Mark Brunel is doing a good job there. But, but again, like Eric said, building a, a young quarterback, a, a rookie quarterback into a pro level talent um, is something that we'll just kind of have to wait and see if he's capable of doing. Thank, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, once the new birds have uh, been born that Ryan has killed, we'll get those sounds in the backyard. <laughs> That's right. Love you guys. See you. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Uh, and with that, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions here on the Spotify live app. It's part of our live Q&A show. We will be right back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on Spotify Live answering your Lions questions right in the middle of NFL Combine Week. Let's go right back to the Lions here. Antonio is next. Antonio, welcome to the show. Yep, you're right, good. Cool. Hey, thanks guys for having uh, me on for a question. And you guys are great. Uh, I'd love to listen to you. I uh, appreciate you guys doing this. Appreciate All right. Uh, I want to talk about the the wide receiver room for a minute. Like I know we haven't, I haven't heard much talk about it um, and what to do with the uh, with DJ Chark or what that, what to do with that position. Uh, you know, cause when I, I guess when I look at the depth chart, 
and I look at the starting three, you know, having JMO on one side and last year having DJ Chark on the other and uh, uh, Amon Ra in the slot, you know, I, I kind of think that there's, I look at that wide receiver position as being super important to where we can, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, uh, I think we should probably look at taking a wide receiver earlier in the draft, uh, like say, a, you know, somewhere around pick 18 to, uh, you know, to keep that offense going uh, because there, I, there's a lot of uh, good wide receivers, I think that are in the draft that um, uh, are in that area and that at pick 49 and beyond, it kind of like falls off and we don't really, there's not really uh uh, a lot of good receivers beyond that to me, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, so I just wanted to know what you guys were thinking about as far as like how important that is. Uh, and do we need a big bodied wide receiver X or can we uh, maybe do something of what like KC is doing with just put two speedy guys on the outside? Because I just think we need someone opposite of JMO and Going into the season, I, I think Amon Ra is really the only receiver I can say that I can rely on. I mean, I know there's expectations for JMO. I get it. But he didn't really show enough to me to say that I can rely on him. And I just think we need another reliable weapon to kind of like make sure that we can, you know, have a good, you know, high-powered offense going into the future. And you know, even if we do sign DJ, resign DJ Chark, I mean, he's kind of, you know, I mean, and I guess that's all iffy too, whether we resign him or not. But you know, I mean, just what what are what, what do you guys think about the receiver situation and and all that? And and would you guys yeah. take a receiver at eighteen or somewhere between eighteen and forty nine? Well, let me, let me throw it to Ryan first, just to kind of assessing the Lions' current wide receiver room. Because obviously, yeah, you, you have JMO, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, you got Josh Reynolds for another year. But I, I think an, e- an easy case could be made that there's a long-term need for, for just what Antonio was saying, like another big guy on the outside or another speedy guy and that, whatever whatever you prefer. So I, I, I don't know, is that is that how you see the wide receiver room? Is it maybe a little bit more of a need than, than people are letting it on? <sighs> This, I mean, it really is an interesting question, right? And 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 I think that that's why DJ Shark is a little bit more of a priority uh, in in my mind than sure. maybe he is in, in the eyes of a lot of other people because he is that big body receiver that you can line up opposite of JMO um, once you know things start finally really popping off. And and I I think I view that position as something that I don't know. I, it, it seems a little bit too rich at eighteen, especially with this draft class and in, in terms of what it has to offer in terms of wide receivers now. Um, you know, Quentin Johnson from from TCU w- would be certainly interesting for sure, right? But who's to say that that he would even be there at that point? Um, I, I think we've had similar discussions, which is funny though. But like we've had similar discussions about how to keep the offense humming along, and and how much, um, you know, how how rich of a price are you willing to pay in terms of your draft capital? And, and funny enough, like a lot of us are maybe trying to go a safer route and say like, well, Hey, maybe like a, like a right guard at 18. That's a, that's a pretty ballsy pick. Right. Um, I, I, I think with the wide receiver position though, like you just laid out, Jeremy, like if you're expecting JMO to take that next step, you have JMO, you have Amon Ra, 
there's DeAndre Swift there. Like, it, it, you know, it, depending on what the Lions do with Jamal Williams, then then it's getting into discussion of, okay, like when is too much too much, right? Like there's one football. How, how, many, how many mouths are, are, are we going to put on this offense that we need to feed? So I, I think for me personally, like 18, probably a little bit too rich in this draft. I do think it's maybe a, a, a long-term need, so to speak. Um, but it can be filled in the short term if they want to if they want to bring DJ Shark back on a one year or maybe a two year deal. So I, I think preferably that's probably the route I'd, I'd want to go in because another name that you didn't mention, a guy who's super reliable and I, I like Khalif Raymond. Now I'm not saying that he's anything that you can bank on from week to week to week, but he's a guy who does a great job when he's called upon. And the Lions have like they have him. They have like you mentioned Josh Reynolds. But uh, Amon Ross is supposed to get so many targets. And J-Mo's going to, you know, he should get so many targets. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Eric, I'll let you weigh in on, on what you think the level of, of wide receiver need is. But uh, I am also interested in your thoughts on the, the wide receivers that they're going to be available on kind of day one and day two. Because I, I don't know, I, I'm looking at your own big board, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of options there at 18. Maybe, maybe the, the depth of talent is maybe there on day two. Yeah, let me start with Josh Reynolds because I think he's a guy that gets overlooked um, a lot by fans, but he's not a guy that gets overlooked by the by coaches or NFL opponents. Um, he's a guy that the Lions rely on in critical situations because they know they can count on him. There's a trust there with Jared Goff. There's a trust there with Dan Campbell. Uh, and he is a person that you know, we look at kind of like as an afterthought in a lot of ways, but for the team, they don't look at him in that way. They look at him as a starter and someone who can be a week to week contributor. And so if you take a step back and you look at that fact that they look at Josh Reynolds that way, and then if JMO starting and Josh is starting and then St. Brown is starting, and then you have Khalif Raymond as your four, you're not in that bad of a shape. Now, is there some long-term need? Sure. But the way that the colleges are producing um, wide receivers, there's going to be a healthy amount of wide receivers every year, pretty much from now on. And great point. And if you, if you, and this is a position that you can see a guy step in on day one as a rookie and win rookie of the year, right? Like that's, that's just what it's, what these guys are capable of doing now. And so if you lose Josh GJ shark this year and you lose Josh Reynolds next year, you can still draft a guy who could start potentially a, a year from now. So you don't have to necessarily press the need for, in my opinion. And so when you look at the fact that you don't have to press the need, and then you look at this class, I don't have a wide receiver ranked in the top 18. Okay. And because of that, I think it's a position that you can wait on. Now, Quentin Johnson, as, as Ryan brought up, this is going to be one of their top guys. It's a guy they've met with at the Combine. He fills that X role. He's probably the top wide receiver X in the class. He's an easy replacement for DJ Chark, and he would be a nice addition. But is he worth 18? He's not, in my opinion. And so can you get a guy that's a little, you know, a little bit later? Can you get a guy on day two? Well, yeah, sure. You can absolutely start considering guys on, on day two. But again, you have to have that long-term vision. I think if Chark doesn't return, day two's uh, definitely in the mix. But if Chark returns, then that pushes the value uh, or the need down a little bit more. 
Now they're not just looking at X's. They're also looking like uh, Jaden Reed of Michigan state's another guy they looked at. He's another Khalif Raymond type of guy that, and I think if you're not, so like if you bring DJ Chark back, Jaden Reed in round three is the guy you're, you're, you're talking about. That guy's going to make an impact on this offense. If you don't bring Chark back. Yeah. Quinton Johnson makes a lot of sense, but I, I don't, I would not pay 18 to, to get him. Maybe the lions would, I, I don't think it's quite there. Um, I, I think if you took him in the second round, that'd be a lot, a lot better value. But again, you know, it's, it's hard to tell exactly how these boards lay out, but for me, it's a position where you have multiple players. You, your starters could essentially be set. And um, it's just, it's, it's not a position you have to draft for the future. It's a position that you draft for the now. And the now is, is a lesser need. I, I want to kick it back to Jeremy, but just two quick, interesting observations from, from what you just said, Eric. One, I mean, how quickly has, has, the, uh, has the narrative changed on rookie wide receivers? You know what I mean? Like you said, they can come into the league and they can be Justin Jefferson. They can be Jamar Chase, right? Ten years ago, not the case at all, right? Like everybody's writing, you know, uh, excuses for any rookie wide receiver that comes into the league. It's like, oh, it's a position that takes some time. You need to acclimate. It's like, those are the yesteryears, man. But I mean, it wasn't too long ago that it was that way. But I mean, if we're talking about the Lions drafting another wide receiver in the first round, back-to-back years for a defense that ranks as low as it is, Jeremy, how would you feel about it? It would that? certainly be bad optics, right? I think I think people would would be frustrated with that. Um, PTS, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, this this franchise certainly has a reputation of that, and it usually not working out. Um, obviously, JMO is still very much a, a work in progress, and, and hopefully, we'll see him explode next year. And I don't want to get into all the weird drama surrounding Brad Holmes's comments about him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know if I really have anything else to add. I think you guys covered it. Um, I, I, can, I, can I counter with something really quick, though? Sure. Like, yeah. how, how, how often do we talk about how long it takes for Jared Goff and any wide receiver to build any kind of chemistry so they sure. can produce? I mean, I get what you guys say. Yeah. Like, wide receivers now, yeah, it's different. And they can come in the league and, and, like, set fire. But, I mean, for the past couple of years that we've had Jared Goff, we've constantly been talking about – you know, how long is it going to take for him and uh, JMO or how long is it going to take for him and so-and-so to have like some kind of chemistry? Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. And it's, it's one that honestly we, we've seen Jared Goff bring up half the reason he thought he was a lot better this year than last year is because he had that year to get, get it right with Khalif Raymond. He had a year to get it right with Amon Ra. He, you know, we, we didn't see Amon Ra break out until the second half of the season, right. Of his rookie year. So um, it's a fair point. Um, <laughs> you know, with, the Lions quarterback situation the way it is, you never know how long he's going to stick around either. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I still think that, you know, the, obviously the, the big difference with a guy like JMO is that ideally the, the rookie quarterback that you'd be drafting this year gets, you know, gets camp, gets off season, gets all these workouts that the JMO didn't get. Um, but it's, it, it's a fair counterpoint. Um, all right. Let's move on to our next question. Thank you for the question, Antonio. Appreciate it. Um, we we don't really ever talk about wide receivers, so I love. Uh, Thanks, guys. We're having. Yeah, no problem at all. Let's uh, let's bring on Tyler next. Tyler, how's it going? Hey, can you hear me all right? Yep. All right. So uh, I'm here. I'm using my last little bit of energy and power outage to uh, try to ask a question. Oh, no. Uh, hopefully, I don't get cut out or anything. But I was just wondering, a couple of years ago, we saw Godwin Igubuke 
move from from safety to running back. And then last year, I think we saw Fatu Malfanu move from cornerback to safety. So I was wondering, I was thinking, you know, if we pick up a couple corners, maybe we see Okuda move to safety or vice versa. If we uh, pick up Ifatu or if we pick up like Deshaun Elliott again, maybe we see uh, Ifatu go back to corner. So I was wondering if you guys thought anyone could benefit from a position change. Another really good question, Tyler. Um, The lines certainly haven't shied away from something like that. And, you know, obviously moving Okuda to safety is something that a lot of people have have vouched for for a while now, and the lines have certainly um, pushed against that for a while. But I'll throw it to you first, Eric. Is is there is there a chance that maybe because the season ended the way it did with Okuda that they're going to search for another way to use him? Yeah, I think if he's going to be moved, it's going to be to nickel uh, in that Will Harris role. Uh, he's he's a very natural. Uh, fit for what they tried to use Will Harris as. Uh, he's a good tackler. Uh, they can use him to in run fits. They can use him as like an extra linebacker in a lot of ways. I don't think I would want Akuda deep because it's just not natural to him, and it would there'd be a long learning curve. Um, plus, they're already training uh, Malafanu to get to to be to go that route. I don't think they're going to switch Malafanu back. By the way. Um, I think they're going to lean into him and see what they got because his remember his best skills are off the ball coverage, and that's essentially what a safety does. And and so I think they're going to try and keep him and develop him into like their third safety. I think that's the goal. But Akuda could definitely push inside and fill like that kind of safety three slash nickel corner type of role. Um, I think it's in his range. It would be a very drastic shift uh but it's something i do think he's capable of especially if they're not happy with yeah and and that's something they they kind of toyed around with jerry jacobs at least they had talked about doing it but i don't think they ever really you know utilized it i I don't you know put that plan into action well you know i think the defensive shift in the midpoint of the year focused on that nickel role as being a guy that's a little bit bigger and can tackle. And we right. saw Akuda yeah. go through that right in Dallas. Right. That get that yep. Dallas game was a perfect was example. And I and I'm certain I'm guessing that's why you don't want him that far away from the line of scrimmage, right? Is because then you're taking the one thing we've seen him do pretty significantly well, uh kind of out of his his, yeah. his playbook. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't I don't think he needs to be a rangy guy. He's a he's a tight quarter space guy. And, and so that's he's a corner, in my opinion. And it just happens to be that he yeah. has that kind of hybrid skill set that lends itself to nickel being a potential. Uh, Ryan, I, I, I want to throw it to you, um, whether you want to talk about Akuda or someone else. Or I, I'm kind of interested in what anyone thinks about what if his future is on this team, whether maybe they push him back to safety, whether they keep him a corner or vice versa. I mean, but um, I don't know. Is, is there someone else or if you want to weigh in on if he, uh, that, that could benefit from a position yeah, change? I, I, maybe this is kind of cheating, um, but this is kind of the position that I've had circled just in terms of it's not necessarily a player, um, shifting positions, but then bringing in somebody who can truly fill what they wanted out of Jason Cabinda. Bring in a guy who can be an H-back, who can also line mm-hmm. up as an inline tight end and give you that size that you want up front. 
I, I don't think that's really in Cabinda's wheelhouse. Um, I, 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 he seems like a great person. He seems like a great guy. He seems like the, the right kind of player that you, that you want in your locker room. I think that they probably want somebody a little bit bigger. Um, so I, I think maybe you could see things just from a, a, a perspective of, hey, things could shift this way with the offense if they had a player who could do X, Y, and Z. I don't think that player is necessarily on the roster, but I, I think inevitably, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I guess those con- the, that, that quote, right, Jeremy, about Josh Hill being the front door of the Saints offense is just like stuck in my head for so long, right? And, and it, right. Seems, it's, it seems like <laughs> something that they, they, I mean, they literally went and got Josh Hill, right? So yeah. um, it, it seems like something they want to do. They, they prioritize bringing back Kabinda. He's obviously dealt with injuries, so, so maybe there, there's something to go with that there. But the only thing I really have to say about Iffy is that it seems like from Brad Holmes' first draft class, like Iffy and Levi are like the two players where it's like, are, is it just going to work out for them or is it just not going to work out for them? Right. Like, I, I think we've been singing the successes yeah. of so many picks like Malcolm Rodriguez and, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown in the late round. And, hey, you know, even James Mitchell in spot duty, like he showed some things and he was coming back from an ACL. Like, there's all these success stories of, of late round picks, except for that first draft. There's a couple there, there. There might have been a couple of swings and misses, which is fine. Like they, they've obviously they've right. navigated no GM this, right? exactly. So that that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with Iffy. I don't know if he has a position. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm with you there, and and yeah, I think it is a good reminder that, that Brad Holmes is capable of mistakes. He's human. Um, we, we kind of we, we're putting him on a pedestal right now. And listen, he's he's infused this this roster with a, a ton of talent and now this is a team that is headed into the offseason as NFC North favorites something that they've never accomplished before in their life um so I'm not going to try to take anything away from him but it is worth reminding people that he, he's that's not the, the last mistake he's going to make right um he, he's it's just it just happens and with I'm with you on Iffy I just don't I don't know. I feel like they've given him every opportunity to compete through these first two years and yeah there's been injuries along the way here and there but um Carolina game was tough. Carolina game was very tough um, for a lot of people to be <laughs> fair. True, but yeah, yes. yeah, um, not, not him alone, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> but the uh, the I, I like where your head is at with the Cabinda stuff. I do think they like Cabinda a lot. I mean, they they obviously put their money behind it, and and he's in terms of like the type of player, the type of person. We talk about that culture fit all the time. He's all of those things, but he hasn't been reliable in the one place where you need him to be, which is to stay on the field. And so maybe that is something that they look to invest in. Um, I was actually looking back on, on some old quotes from uh, when I was doing an article on, uh, Oh God, what was the running back's name? I don't know. I think it was, maybe it was Craig Reynolds. I don't know. <laughs> and, and they were, Oh, okay. It, or no, it was a tight ends article. It was a, uh, it was a uh, Shane Zilstra. And and they they talked about using those guys a little bit in the F back role. Um, none of them are really big enough, and, and I don't think capable enough to do it in the long term. I guess maybe Brock Wright. Brock Wright's a pretty big dude. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess that's maybe where you look is, is maybe someone like Brock Wright could they could cross train him there if you're if you're seeking out specific individuals that that could take up that role and and, and switch a role that are um, on the roster right but now, I don't know. right? Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. I. I, I Eric, just real quick, I mean, like 15, 20 seconds. Like, is it so wrong that I just love Darnell Washington at 18? Like, oh, is that too yeah. much? Is that too uh, much? It, it might, it's probably a little rich at 18, but um, for me personally, but I do think that fit is terrific. Six, seven, 265. 
um, an incredible run blocker engulfs people. I, th- I think if you if he was there in the second round, it'd be a lot more palatable. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'd be fun. I don't think he could necessarily do the H back role, um, but I think he could. He's a tight end two that you just it can be an extension of the offensive line um, on day one. You know what I mean? So, um, I, you know, I think we're overlooking someone who might be able to fill that that Kabinda, um, you know, H back oh. type role, and and that that's Panay Sewell. You know. I think oh. we just, <laughs> just shift Panay back there. And look, if you if you draft Aleem, how about Aleem? Let's throw Aleem back there. Oh. Former running back. Oh, there you go. There you go. You got two I options. Think, I, I, two options. I, I think, think Panay's got a little bit better hands than Kaminda at this point, right? Oh, oh man. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> hey, can I go back to Iffy one second? Sure. Because I like Iffy. Um I you know, look, I think we learned a lot in that Carolina game. He played single high in that Carolina game and he was not good. It was also granted, it was also his first game like really ever playing. So but when you when you saw him the next week against Chicago and they he shifted more into a box type safety role into that like secondary guy, wasn't playing the single high, he was that off second uh split zone guy. Um he did really well there. And, and, And like and I think that's really where his future is. So if he could be a guy that they maybe start trying to try out at that nickel spot, I don't know if it's ideal for him. I still think he's better playing a further off, but he showed enough that he could be like, I, I think there's a future for him. I don't want him. I don't like him at single high necessarily. Not right now, but as he gains experience, yeah, I think. But I mean, I, I just think like, if the Lions want to be that split safety scheme guy, he's going to have to be someone that can do both, right? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But but look, I think it's it's it seems it's going to seem unusual, but I think if he can be a lot like Deshaun Elliott was, okay, mm, um, okay, like yeah, he's not a, he's not the hitter that Elliott is, not not and not not by any stretch, but with Tracy and Kirby filling those like they're they're fluid they can do both they can play that single high they can drop down they can each of them can do both if he can learn that single high but in the interim when he's not learning that single high he can play in that slot area so like when you go to like a uh, like a dime or maybe you want to go a big nickel and you want to have like either tracy or kirby single and then you drop the other two safeties in the slots if he can play that role he can develop there he's not there now but i think that's where he can go he can be safety three um, I don't know if he's ever going to start, but if you end up getting safety three, then, you know, it, it, that third round pick might not be, you know, it's not yeah, hard, right? I think that's a decent role for him. And I think that's where he can, he can go. Um, but the, the single high stuff, yeah. it's, it's just going to take time. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the question. Right, Tyler. Thanks a lot guys. No problem. All right. We're going to squeeze one more in here. Uh, Jacob, you're on the show. Jacob, welcome. Hello. Can y'all hear me? Yep. It sounds like we heard from Eric earlier that, that Josh Reynolds is the John Kaminsky of the offense because nobody <laughs> talks about Josh Reynolds. That's right. It's, that's a um, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the linebackers. I, I know we've talked about it some on past shows. I think I would first just love to hear from y'all. If this team doesn't reside in Zaloni, are, are Barnes and Rodrigo the starters? And, and how do you feel about that? And then two, y'all have talked, I think, really importantly in the past, that linebacker is is probably a lower priority position for this regime. But when we see somebody like 
Jack Campbell, you know, do so well at the combine. Do you think that Holmes would consider a second round pick on a linebacker, or do you think that's always going to be more of a mid to late round value pick for this administration? Yeah, good questions, Jacob. Uh, let's start there with with uh, drafting a, a linebacker with high resources because I think you know I, I tend to go back and forth because you know you look back on what the Rams have done in the past and and they never draft a linebacker early, but then they went out and, and threw a ton of money at Bobby Wagner last year, so it's kind of like a mixed bag there. I, I do look back at, at at some of the things Brad Holmes has said, and and it seems like he's hinted at, at not valuing the, the linebacker position that well. But but Eric, I know you're not high on this off off linebacker class. And so if you have an opportunity at one of those top guys, maybe you make an exception just because the, the drop-off is maybe, maybe you have one or two or three starters in this year's entire class. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about if, if Barnes and Rodriguez are your starters, just because yeah. I don't, I'm not confident Barnes is there yet. He can be, maybe he takes the next step through development, through training camp and he can be, he can get to that point. Um, but today I wouldn't necessarily be confident in him. Uh, I do think there are, there's one legitimate starting linebacker in this class. That's Drew Sanders. I think you're probably going to pay a second rounder, maybe even a late first to get him. I think Trenton Simpson is a guy that people are going to you know fall in love with because he's athletic and he can do a lot of things. And, but he, in my opinion, he's, if you're not using him as a hybrid player, in the lion system, you're, he's your backup will, which is, an, I think, not ideal for the cost for him. Now, Jack Campbell is the interesting wild card. Uh, in my opinion, I had a third round grade on him um, ahead of the combine and his athletic testing is, is surely going to, you know, help, you know, confirm that maybe he's worth a little bit more than that. Maybe he's in that second round of conversation now. Uh, but I think we need to be cautious in like getting, too much hype around him. Now, in my in my art in my linebacker articles, I did note though that even though I don't view Jack Campbell as a starter in the Lions scheme with what they have, he could probably beat Barnes for the starting role. And, and so I think that's more of a situational thing where he, Jack Campbell's not going to step into every uh, every defense and be able to start, but I think he could probably start here based on the talent that they have. So um I was really impressed with Henley as well. Uh, I get, but my concern with him again is he was a Mike in college, but he's only two, he's, you know, six, one, two Can he be a Mike in this scheme for what they're looking for? I, there's a, a ton of stuff to like about him. I, I think he can be a day two guy, but he's probably more, he's probably better suited as, as like a will. So it just becomes, you know, I, I think adding one of those guys on day two, like a Campbell or a Henley, or maybe Sanders falls today too. If you can do that and you can get the value, I do think Brad Holmes would consider it, even though linebacker is a lesser need. But if you don't address it in the, if you don't address the position in free agency, I would say you almost have to look at it on day two, because you need to add starting level capable players and you don't want to go in with just, you know, your two day three rookies from the past two years and hope that they're, that they're just going to win the job. Like I think they they're going to need an insurance plan for that a third guy. who Right. And that, that's what I was going to say is I, I find it very unlikely that if the lines don't sign Alex Anzalone, that they don't add someone else that that's capable of starting. Right. I, I don't think they want to go into the draft where they have to. 
where where they are headed towards just having Derek Barnes and, and Malcolm Rodriguez run the show. I think they're they're going to add a guy that can at the very least compete uh with those two because I'm with you, Eric. I don't think I'm that comfortable with those two walking into the 2023 season as, as your starters, as your clear starters, at least. Um, Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on the current status of the linebacking crew? Uh, are, are you, do you, do you differ from anything that, that we've said? Not really. I, I think the only thing that I want to kind of emphasize or um, kind of put an exclamation point on the end of is if, if they don't go with Anzalone, they don't bring him back. While I, I think that you try to target somebody who can fill that veteran role. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see it as, all right, the Lions are going to go back to the, to the well when it comes to the draft and, you know, take another guy real late and, you know, add him to a mix of a bunch of other young guys that they're trying to figure out. Like, I mean, there was a little bit of a rookie wall that Malcolm hit at a certain point. Um, you know, but some of that had to do with injuries, some of that had to do with, you know, kind of just the way that the defense was playing. And, you know, Eric mentioned the way the defense kind of shifted in the second half of the season. And and all of a sudden he had a little bit of a resurgence. So, I, I mean, you're trying to figure out like, hey, like Mal- Malcolm, like he, he's likely one of our guys is, is Derek Barnes. Like I, a little bit troublesome that you go from year one to year two and then the year two thing doesn't take off. So there there's some trepidation there. Um, but I, I think ultimately, like there are a couple guys like in free agency that, it, it might cost you a little bit more, but you could upgrade from Alex Anzalone, right? Like you're talking about Levante David, or you're talking about Bobby Wagner, or you're talking about, you know, some of these other veteran players that, that might be out there in the free agent market that will still fit that veteran role, but you're upgrading the position. And I, I, I think that's probably where I, where I tend to lean. I will say that I do have a huge draft crush on uh, Dayon Henley, just because he's a converted wide receiver to linebacker. Like how cool is that? Like, give me that guy <laughs> that's, that's fair good stories um yeah i think i think I, I think that's a good point too about wanting a, a veteran presence there in the room too um while, while the lions obviously love getting young and and prefer having young guys and as, as aaron glenn always says he's never afraid to play his young guys um it would be nice to have some veteran guidance in that room um because the play is still not at i think a necessarily an acceptable level um, all right. Thanks for the question, Jacob. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Josh Reynolds converting to linebacker, solve all the problems. <laughs> Bring it full circle. That's right. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jacob. And with that, let's uh, let's take our second break. When we come back, we're going to close things out with more of your Lions questions as we head just a week and change away from free agency. We'll be right back. Closing things up here on our Spotify Live Q&A show, uh, where we take your live calls right here on the Spotify Live app every Saturday morning. Let's go right back to the lines. We've got Ryan waiting. Ryan, welcome to the show. Morning, fellas. Hope things are well on your end. Yeah, doing great. Good stuff. All right, so this question's a lighthearted question. It's here for a laugh, so I hope you don't take it too serious. So uh, a couple years ago, I believe Jeremy and... Eric partook in a beat writers competition with the other people in Detroit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I to the pin, uh, catching punts of that nature and that type of thing. 
So if the Pride of Detroit held their own with their staff and the competitions were high jump, closest to the pin, punts caught, longest punt, and 40-yard dash, who should I put my money on as the overall winner? Ooh, man. This is – okay, so so things that you guys need to know right off the bat is Ryan is a golf teacher. So I think he probably takes everyone else on that one. Although we, we could be in a situation where do as I do, not as I do as I say, not as I do. Is that is that accurate? I mean, you'd golf more than I think anyone else. First of all, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> golf teacher, golf coach, varsity golf coach. Uh, yeah, okay. I think I'd have all your asses in uh, closest to the pin. However, I'm probably getting dusted and everything else. I, 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 you guys might not even know this about me. In high school, I was a six foot four high jumper. Oh, what? Yep. I and 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 I coach high jump, and I believe Eric. I also was a hundred pounds lighter than I am right now. I was, so. was going to say, to, to be fair, the bar was quite literally lower in 1970. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Oh, 1970. That is harsh. Are, uh, well, I, I have a question to ask real quick. Are, are, is it is it who would win if you aggregate? Collective, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. If you take yeah, the all collective. these things, I can I, I can tell you at the um, at the beat writer punt competition, I won last year. Jeremy won the year prior, but True. both of us would get smoked by Hamza. Um, True. <laughs> oh God, it's Hamza. Yeah. It's Hamza by a mile. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, everything. Like, like yeah. the youth. Uh, the youth that Hamza have, he he would win everything. I also was in the forty yard dash runoff to try and be the winner, and it. I'm still running it. I'm still trying <laughs> to complete it. Like, there's no <laughs> way that I would finish that. Right. Like. The 40-yard dash, I, I had pains in my heels for like a month and a half after that, if you recall. It, it, is, is it possible to have a negative RAS score, Eric? It was, <laughs> it was, it was bad. But like, look, I, I kicked the ball, with, and Jeremy always likes to point, with the roll. I, I, I yep. punted it 55 yards. Hamza would destroy me. Like that's, that, that's, that, that, by the way, that also doesn't count the snaps. Oh my God. <laughs> you were so salty that you did not win that you won the year prior. And I was so mad that whole year. And then I beat you. And now you're, you just are, you are, you have taken the salt on for me. I, um, I, I'm, I'm mad, bro. Yeah. Um, but I think collectively, I think Hamza would absolutely beat the pants off of everybody. Even if he loses golf to Ryan, I think Hamza would pretty much clean up in every other, uh, category there no i don't i don't think it's even close i think i think hamza is by far the most athletic person right now like if you were to take everybody in their prime maybe it's a little bit closer but here's the thing like i think the most athletic people on our staff have also gone through very serious injuries including ryan and and jerry and you and me i (laughs) haven't gone through serious injuries i just get injured everything i do Okay, well, (laughs) very there's a there's a difference there Uh, i was gonna say it's kind of unfair hamza's 19 Right. <laughs> yeah. So and apparently, like, I was born. I was in high school in 1970. So yeah, Eric's Eric's a hippie. <laughs> By the way, I I don't know if people realize just how good of a punter Hamza is. Like, I'm convinced he would hold his own as a professional punter. Like he would. Oh, like he he could definitely work scout team somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he's he kicks with like college kids and like he's he's been in you know the clinics with like the pros and stuff like that. Like he can he's he's yeah. pretty legit. Um, 
As far you look, I, 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 would he? I don't know how his hands are. I mean, would he? Could he feel the punt? I mean, both you and I fielded a punt. Granted, you were on your sure. butt for yours, and I bobbled mine, but I still caught it. Listen, I just took the Khalif Freeman route. Like, just make sure you secure it to the ground. <laughs> um, noted, noted, Khalif Raymond, who returned a t- punt for a touchdown against the Jets. <laughs> right, yeah. but the whole thing on him the year before was like he kept diving for them. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, he was. He had to like adjust to them. Yeah, yeah. So, so, is, so now uh, next year, I'll I'll be taking him to the house. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I, I mean, that's not part no. of the skill competition, but I, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I mean, I I, I think I I, I I do think anything kicking related, anything running related, Hams is going to win it. But like Ryan asked, um, Ryan a question asked asked about catching, right? And did you did he say throwing too? I don't recall. No, no throwing on this one. Oh well, all right, never mind. Unless then. you want I to add say, it. I might be all right there. <laughs> Unless you want to add it to give yourself the. Well, yeah. yes, let's yes. Anything <laughs> I can do to get an advantage for me. Can we? Can we grade on? Can we grade these on a curve? So, so, Spreadsheeting. Do you want that as part of it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was going to say. Oh, do we want to include? Uh, Eric writing an analysis of the POD combine because I think right. that, that, w- that would help him. That would boost his score. <laughs> I think that might just be his best role. While everyone else in uh, uh, Pride of Detroit is is r- running the combine, he can be the Daniel Jeremiah and just dictate. Oh man, I would enjoy that so much more because it would reduce my risk of. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if a spreadsheet was actually made and then Kent Lee Platty did a rap score? <laughs> of all the the, the events uh the the funny the funny thing about that ryan is uh myself alex um andrew and uh chris we all went to the 2017 nfl draft uh in philly yeah in philly, and right? yeah. like alex and i like we we did the 40 yard dash thing we did the vert thing and i i remember we sent we sent our numbers to kent and he like made us ras cards um, but I don't think those will ever see the light of day. So, <laughs> I, listen, they're probably going to have those events. Well, I, I was going to say, when's the draft? The draft is in. Wait, the draft is in Detroit next year. Yeah, next maybe, year. Maybe this yeah. becomes a thing. Maybe we we run it on our Twitch pages. Um, we all go down to the to the events and and run the forty and jump and stuff. Yeah, there isn't like an age requirement, right? Because I don't know if Hamza will be twenty one by then. <laughs> <laughs> or a or a cap. Yeah, there's not an age cap, is there? <laughs> there's definitely going to be a waiver that you have to sign, Eric, and me for that matter. And and Hamza would have to take his to his mother. <laughs> Imagine each one of you took a picture like the famous Tom Brady one, yes. where he's what shirtless in front of his stats. You do oh, not God. have a shirtless the... picture of anybody on staff, <laughs> except Hamza, no. who shows up to our. Yeah. He shows up to our meets without a shirt on. So, all right, I appreciate the the levity in your question there. I think we had some fun with it. Caden, are you there, or are you under a hill? You know, I used to have to <laughs> on top of a hill. <laughs> now we've had this talk before, but yeah, <laughs> probably sometime last year. Um, no, I'm an idiot. Ignore me. What's your question? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad that uh, the last question had some levity in it because this one's kind of a sour subject in a lot of Lions fans. Um, 
I just wanted to know kind of a brief summation of what was the whole like story about the Tyrell Crosby incident or just situation because um, I met him once uh, when I was visiting Oregon and he just seems like a really positive dude, like all the time. And he takes, and I still follow him on Twitter and he takes every opportunity that he can to just like bury Dan when, and Brad, when everything that Brad and Dan have done is to the betterment of the players. Like they know the stresses and the injuries and they hot, they're doing the best they can to like help these players. Like they just hired the new medical uh, director and uh, everything like that. And it just seems like, I don't know if it's like bias towards uh, like, Matt, him being a Matt Patricia guy, which is one of very few, um, <laughs> and just not meshing with the new regime and deflecting, like, his unfortunate, like, you know, what seems to be a trend of spinal injuries with the linemen, right. whether it's him or Halapuli Vativaitai or uh, even Levi. Yeah, no, I think I think it's important to kind of revisit this because it, it does remain kind of the one black guy on this organization um, when it comes to relationships with their players. Because you're right. I, you're right about everything you said about Ty- Tyrell Crosby. Like he was viewed as this model citizen in the Lions locker room for a really long time. And all my interactions with him has been positive. All of interactions with players seem to have been really positive. He was a good locker room force, but he is this one guy that really seems to have it out for this line staff. And I think there are a lot of ways you can take it. Right. Um, This was a tough medical situation, right? Um, It it cost Tyrell Crosby his career. Um, And it's, it's interesting because in the wake of those NFL PA report cards that got released this week, where everyone got grades on their training staff and weight room and, and things like that, you saw a lot of players come out of the woodwork from various organizations and some like really good organizations like the Baltimore Ravens. I think this Pittsburgh Steelers where players say, Hey, this medical staff ruined my career. This guy, like I'd still be playing. And for me, it's hard to parse through that and, and know exactly what is happening because it's, it's medical data, right? We don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how much of this was just bad luck for someone like Tyrell Crosby or how much of this was, um, you know, misdiagnosis, maltreatment, things like that. It's not, it's not always black and white. I know, um, I know Tyrell Crosby thinks that, you know, they, they mistreated him, that they misdiagnosed some of his issues and, and things like that. And, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, it's just, I, you, you can understand it from Tyrell Crosby's point of view, right? He, he had a profession and now he doesn't. And so he blames the medical staff on Detroit and, and it, it goes beyond that too, right? He, he blames the, the, the coaches for put trying to push him through some of those injuries, which is certainly not uncommon, but an unfortunate part of this culture in the NFL. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's a really murky situation. And, and I, I feel for Tyrell Crosby. I, I do. Um, but it, it, it's just it goes against a lot of the stuff we're hearing from other from some of these other players. So part of me thinks it's just it's excess frustration for having lost his career, which is completely understandable. 
Yeah, I think I, I could echo a lot of what you were just saying there. Um, he's a very good person uh, off the field, uh, terrific interactions with him every time. Um, but he, if, if you follow him on social media, he, his initial like stream of consciousness was, this was a medical issue. They misdiagnosed and he seemed like he was presenting a lot of like just factual type stuff. And that was, you know, raised some concerns. But since then, I do think the frustration part has taken over because now he's almost devolved into like name calling not name calling like specifically name calling but kind of like insinuating things and he looks very like you know he he seems like it's it there's a frustration level that's boiled over and that's why he kind of like some pot shots right eric yes yes that's a better way of putting it um like he like he's buying into some of the cliches and uh he's he's kind of gone over the top with some of that stuff and 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 I, i i think that's a shame because it, it it kind of undermines his point, which is which is I think pro- probably have some really valid concerns, uh, but at the same time when he's going over the top to every single time take a shot, um, it kind of makes him look bitter, and 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 and, and that's I, I think, I mean it's a little bit to his detriment because he is a good person. He probably has these very valid points. Again, we don't know if they're where the legitimacy is uh how uh, you know what the, what was going on because we're not privy to that medical information uh but everything about him seems to be a nice person and i'm not uh but i just we're not we don't have the whole story here and at times i think he does himself a disservice from the point he's trying to make which probably has a lot of uh you know, there's a lot of validity to that because that's part of how the NFL works is coaches and medical staff. They're going to push players and sometimes they're going to misdiagnose stuff. Um, but, you know, this is also a, a one sided conversation because the team isn't commenting on him. They're not being asked about him. They're not going to comment on him and he's not part of the team. So uh, they're not going to publicly say anything. And so all you see is. Crosby throwing them against the wall and um, they're not doing anything. So it's, it's hard to, we're really only seeing one side of this whole conversation. So uh, it's, it is a very unusual story because it does. um, It does run counter to a lot of things, but at the same time, it's, it's still a very, very believable story based on what we know about the league. Yeah. It just, it makes him look like, you know, a bitter ex that, you know, now that you're now that the team's having success, it's like every clip that gets shared about Dan, like doing one of those, you know, speeches that don't really make sense. He has a comment about, and it's like, you were cut right before they started like making progress when, when you were there, like he was there almost as long as he would have been one of the longest tenured lions right next to Decker. If he was able to stay and there's definitely some truth to it because you wouldn't be hiring a new director of player health to identify these issues, you know, like with Levi and with iffy, these players with these injury problems to identify And it make, you know, it just makes me sad because like I met the guy and we were talking about him being this 
stalwart swing tackle for, you know, the majority of, you know, Brad and Dan's first year. And it just stinks how it all ended. And it's, it just makes him look, uh, look bad. But uh, thanks, guys, uh, for answering my question. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I want to give Ryan a chance to, to speak on this. If he if he has anything else to add to the conversation. Oh, no, not really. I think you guys did a good job of kind of working through it. I mean, it's a really <clears throat> difficult situation, as you mentioned, to kind of parse through, you know, where we're at with the situation, right? Like, we we, we don't, we, we will never get, like, all the facts, right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. They, clearly, the Lions are prioritizing getting things right, you know, like hiring Brett Fisher to be their director of um, you know, health and player performance and things like that. So, yeah, you know. I, I, yeah. There's there's an ultimate hope that you know, if if a mistake was made, I, I and and I, I think maybe the Lions would behind the scenes admit if they did make a mistake. Um, this does seem like an organization that actually cares about that feedback and and cares about you know the, the players enough to to not let something like that happen and we've seen them invest in in the nutrition in the past few years although that was one of the worst graded things they had on an NFL peer NFL peer report now they're they're investing into their physical therapy and and training units so hopefully a, a lesson has been learned here maybe from both sides and uh and the lines are going to be better for it on the other end. But we're going to close things up there. Uh, appreciate all of our callers this week. Again, if you want to join us and be part of these conversations, download the Spotify Live app. Follow at Pride of Detroit. And join us Saturday mornings, usually 9 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again next week for sure. And then we're probably going to take a break off a week off while we'll be right in the middle of free agency. But make sure to be here next week when we talk about kind of all the free agency preview stuff and all that sort of stuff. But until next time, for Ryan, for Eric, thank you guys for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>